0: What's going on, guys? Welcome to the Just the West podcast. Happy Friday. I'm your host, Just the West, and we are going into week six of the NFL, National Football League in the NFC West. And uh, I usually do a bit of a recap from the week before, which is week five. I did not post that earlier this week because, well, Monday Night Football, uh, I was at the game. Niners-Browns, that was a 31-3 shellacking on national television, and I had a great time. Uh, Shout out to those that were also in attendance for that game, uh, just because Levi's has been, well, pretty lackluster as a crowd, because there's been some pretty bad football for the San Francisco 49ers, but that Monday night... It was lit. Um, buzzing, cracking, whatever you may describe it, but it was a different sort of vibe uh, in Santa Clara for those Niners. And so let's go ahead and get at it. Happy Friday, everyone. The Niners currently sit at 4-0, and undefeated. Uh, the only team in the NFC undefeated. There's only one team in the AFC that's currently undefeated, and that's the New England Patriots. And so there's that. There were two. Um, Seahawks really tough win at home against the rams they won 13 to 29 against the rams um the rams had a chance to come away with the win greg Zerline had a potential game winning field goal in the winning seconds but it missed 13 to 29 seahawks their second place at four and one and the crazy thing about that is you know any other situation, if you're sitting at four and one with that record, uh, you are more than likely there to win the division. But you just look at this: you have Niners four and zero, Seahawks second place at four and one. So it makes that really interesting because right in third place you have the Rams at three and two. Now the last two seasons they've been the ones that have been dominating the NFC West. They're the ones that are coming off the Super Bowl. Appearance against the Patriots last season, um, but right now they're on a two-game losing streak, three and two. They just lost thirty to twenty-nine, and I'll get to it in this pod a little bit later on. But they are going to play the Niners at home in a must-win game, a must-win game for them. Uh, lastly, you have the Arizona Cardinals, one win, three losses, one tie, one three and one. But they're coming off their first win of the season. Yes, they um, they went to the East Coast. They went to Cincy. They played the Bengals. And, you know, a win is a win. They were up a good margin. I think earlier they were up like, what, 23 to 9 or so something like that. They were up uh, considerably uh, earlier on in the game. Got a little bit closer to comfort. It was tied 23 all but the Cardinals came away with the win. They sneaked out 26-23 to 23 on the road. The Kyler Murray era, the Cliff Kingsbury era for Arizona, they get their first victory. And what was interesting about that game was uh, their personnel. Now, in games past, they've always run their their 10 personnel, which is four wide receivers, one running back, no tight ends. But... This time around, they they spread it out a bit. You had some 10 personnel, um, you had some 12, you had some 21, uh, a more, uh, a bigger emphasis on the run game, and I don't think the Bengals were really expecting that. It was a bit of a curveball, and the Cardinals came away with their first win, so. (claps) NFC West right there. Before I get into my matchups breaking down the week six games in the NFC West, I wanted to give a special shout-out um, to another podcast that's been um, super awesome in the uh, against the spread sort of picks, the spread podcast. If you want an edge going into week six, check out the spread. It's a gambling-centric podcast focused on stats-based picks and predictions against the spread to give insight into the best picks of the week. Give them a follow. They're also available on most podcast platforms all right so week six let's go ahead and do the the first game which is in the morning time pacific standard time Uh, the seahawks are going on the road east coast to uh the browns yeah those browns those browns that got shellacked 31 to 3 against the niners um seahawks with a 4-1 record browns are 2-3 right now they're reeling they're coming off arguably well actually not even arguable they're coming off their worst loss of the season in which Baker Mayfield threw for like, what, 100 yards, two picks. Um, right now, Baker Mayfield currently leads the league in interceptions with eight. Uh, I saw some interesting stats about Baker Mayfield right now in which, all you know, for his plays, rushing, passing attempts, everything collectively of what he's doing as a player. Uh, 15% of his plays have accounted for negative Yards, um, turnovers, whatever. So um, that could be interceptions, fumbles, negative passing yards. But 15 percent of what he's doing has been trash. So the Browns are in a position at home where you kind of have to win this game. They're two and three. If they fall to two and four, it's gonna be really tough um, to kind of live up to their hype going into the season. But it's not like I really care. The Seahawks conversely they're four and one they're coming off a very tough win at home against the rams and you know it's it's really important to win within division let alone against the rams who you know have been the jewels of the nfc west the last two years but they had a triumphant win and now they go against the browns the browns obviously are going to be looking to you know in in a sense of pride trying to come back for from their loss against the niners but I don't know, man. I don't know if you guys have seen the stats of Russell Wilson and their passing game. Now, now, given that, you know they don't pass as heavy as some of these other teams like the Chiefs or the Texans or you know what have you. Um, but when they do pass, uh, they are pretty damn efficient. Russell Wilson right now, I, I kid you not, it's like Russell Wilson and Patrick Mahomes as front runners for the MVP award. Through five weeks into the season, but they're looking pretty A1 right now. Uh, Russell Wilson is the first quarterback in the Super Bowl era to pass for 1,400 yards, 12 touchdowns, and check this out, zero, zero interceptions in his first five games. And yeah, man, 73% completion percentage leads the league, as does his quarterback rating, which is what? Let me check, 126.3. And so it's one of those things where they're a run-heavy team, but when they need to pass, they do it very well. You know, shout-out to Tyler Lockett. Shout-out to the receivers for making plays. DK Metcalf. Uh, Yeah, I mean, when they go into play action, they they are pretty damn good. Okay, so, you know, once again, I expect the Seahawks to do their usual MO, which is run the football. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, play action, Russell Wilson, call it a day for them. I don't think they're really going to change much against the Browns. Um, I think the one thing that I'd like to see from the Seahawks is, you know, between Ziggy Ansah, Jadavion Clowney, you get LJ Collier, uh, the the first-round pick rookie. I mean, thus far, you know, you see them do a couple quarterback pressures, and they're slowly building up on their pass rush. But in terms of the numbers, A.K. sacks, in turnovers, it hasn't really happened yet on that defensive line. I know that Jerron Reed is still out with his suspension, and so they're still trying to put it all together. But this would be a very opportune time to take advantage of this Browns offensive line. I don't know if you saw the game on Monday Night Football, but while I was in attendance, I was there. I saw that Nick Bosa performance when he had two sacks. Should have been a third sack. But I saw that Niners defensive line, Wreck havoc against the Browns' offensive line. The Seahawks have every opportunity to take advantage of this Browns' offensive line right now. Uh, Doesn't look good. It looks like if he can get to Baker Mayfield, get impressed. Um, He comes out rattled. He makes, uh, well, that's why he leads the league in interceptions with eights. He catch my drift. So, I mean, Ziggy Onsetter, Dave Van Clowney, uh, I would like to see a little bit more out of you guys right now. Conversely, the Browns, they're pressing right now. They're 2-3. and three. They're at a point where you know they really need to go back to 500. They really need to get the season back on track. I mean, even the Steelers, uh, for, for Christ's sake, they're kind of coming along as well. So, you know, for them, I don't know what's going on with them in terms of their offense um they're getting you know i think they're getting a little bit cute with some of their schemes uh you saw that first play against the natters they had you know odell beckham jr pass to uh, jarvis landry and that was all dandy but you know they've been really going away from the run game nick chubb i expect a heavy dosage out of nick chubb against the seattle defense but conversely lesion of boom seattle secondary it's been okay this year they made a tremendous play Last Thursday night football with Tedrick Thompson with the interception. But, you know, let's just see how it goes this time around against this Browns passing game. Thus far, uh, Odell Beckham Jr. has been pretty damn quiet. I still feel like he's due for a breakout game. I thought that might have happened against the Niners last week. But maybe it's going to be this week. Through the last two weeks... Odell Beckham Jr. only has four catches he's averaging just two catches the last two games and you're talking about a bona fide receiver that's due three four five six catches a game so I don't know man I think you're gonna see a heavy dosage of Nick Chubb heavy dosage of Odell Beckham Jr. you're gonna see a much more livid crowd in Cleveland because this is a game that they need to win having said that um you know, just because you want something doesn't mean you're going to get it. You're going to still have to earn and fight for that win. And I feel that at the moment, um, they don't have it right now. The Seahawks are a, well, they're a 4-1 team. So, hmm. Right now, at Cleveland, Seattle's favored by 1.5, over under 47.5. So the Browns are home dogs, 1.5. Yeah, go ahead and give me the Seahawks 27, uh, give me the Browns 20. You kind of fall slower and slower into the abyss. Uh, all that preseason hype, Odell Beckham Jr., Baker Mayfield, Miles Garrick. Yeah, great names, but in terms of their execution thus far, they've been sloppy. The Seahawks have been efficient. So Seahawks 27, Browns 20. Let's go ahead and go into the next game, which is the afternoon 1 o'clock West Coast time set. Uh, And that is uh, the Falcons at Cardinals. So uh, Atlanta Falcons go on the road to play the Arizona Cardinals. And right now the Falcons are favored by 2.5 over under 52. Uh, But I think a lot of that has to do with public perception because, I mean... You know, when you think Falcons, you think a high-powered offense, you think Julio Jones, Matt Ryan, you think that, hey, not too long ago, they were, well, they were in the Super Bowl with Kyle Shanahan um, against the Patriots, but, you know, since then, well, check it out right now. They have a 1-4 and four record against the Cardinals, who have a 1-3 and three record, 1-3-1 and one, technically, but uh, both teams, interesting offenses, they can get plays. You have Matt Ryan and Julio Jones on one end. You have Kyler Murray. You have Larry Fitzgerald, David Johnson on the other end. Um, But, you know, their defenses, not so much. Okay, so the Falcons, they gave up. You know, the Texans hung up like 50-plus points against them. They just lost like 52 to 35 or whatever their previous week. And it's not like the Cardinals are that much better defensively. Um, But I don't know. It's just... Am I really scared of this Falcons team? Given the Cardinals aren't a great team in their own right, but uh, I do like uh, the competition between the Cardinals and the Falcons when you consider uh, a couple things. you know, uh, When I look at this Cardinals matchup, I know that the Cardinals, in terms of defense, they haven't been the best. Patrick Peterson is out another game with his suspension. Julio Jones usually has... Well, just looking at what he's done against the Cardinals, he usually does pretty well against the Cardinals. And right now, you still have Byron Murphy, you have Tremaine Brock, um, so that's something to worry about. But at least for the Cardinals defensively, they've been giving up a lot of yards down the middle. Uh, but they are still—I mean, I was pretty surprised when I looked at this. But between their edge guys, Chandler Jones, Terrell Suggs, they lead the—yeah, they lead the league with eleven forced fumbles from their defense. Coming from that front seven. I mean, they're getting pressure. They're able to make plays. It's just, you know, collectively, they're, um, they're also allowing a lot of yards as well. Uh, on the other end, you know, Kyler Murray, number one pick out of Oklahoma. I saw some progression last week against the Bengals. It's just the Bengals, but in his first win, they did a couple of other things outside of that 10 personnel uh, a little bit more to the run game, a little bit more of a balanced attack. And through five career games for Kyler Murray, he's the first player in NFL history with more than 1,300 passing yards, 200 rushing yards. And it's just, you know, just slowly with this Cardinals team. I know they're not going to make the playoffs. I know that uh, they're not always necessarily going to be uh, the prettiest team. Uh, especially when you consider that they've been going through so many changes, but you want to see progression out of your quarterback, and you want to see them being c- competitive in games. And honestly, I'm I'm seeing that. If you ignore the Panthers game, because that was, that was a little trash. But all the other games have been okay, just FYI. Huh. So uh, when I look at this game outside of that, what else comes to mind? Oh, tight end defense. So... For the first time all season uh, Tyler Eifert with the Bengals He only had a couple catches No touchdowns And I was actually really surprised Because I thought that the Bengals Would have schemed up Tyler Eifert and some of their tight ends more Because this Cardinals defense Against tight ends You know it continues to be shit Uh, Mark Andrews uh, T.J. Hawkinson A lot of good tight ends Uh, Will Disley A lot of tight ends have thrived (laughs) And so, when we go into this week, well, the Falcons have a pretty good tight end in, in their own right. Austin Hooper, right now, he has 34 catches, right around 370 yards, two touchdowns. But, uh, just look at his targets. I mean, last last week he had six catches. The, the previous week he had nine. Uh, Shooting even against the Colts, he had six catches. I mean, uh, yeah, they're looking his way. They're certainly looking his way. And I don't expect that to really change. And so... Between rookies, Deontay Thompson, Jalen Thompson, not related by the way, but rookie safeties nonetheless. DJ Swanger was released the previous week because their pass coverage defense against tight ends was so horrible. Uh, They're going to be tested, man. They're going to be tested. Austin Hooper is that dude. So keep that in mind. On the other end, I'll be very intrigued for this Cardinals offense to see what Cliff Kingsbury will do. Again, with his personnel, will he go back to 10 personnel with four wide receivers because he's playing, you know, it arguably it could be a potential shootout against this Falcons passing game. Does he go back to four wides? Does he do three? Um, does he try to run the ball more? You saw a lot of good promise last week with Chase Edmonds and David Johnson. They might be onto something with a little bit more of a balanced passing attack just because... From a personnel perspective, I mean, Christian Kirk still hurts. Uh, you know, you have Larry Fitz, Keyshawn Johnson. Uh, you're just, you know, Andy Isabella for, you know, that for whatever reason they don't feel like he's ready enough. He's hardly gotten any targets, and so if you don't really have that great depth at the receiver position, maybe it's in your best interest to change the personnel and the philosophy. So, you know, for Kyler Murray, he's gonna uh, yeah, you know, this this Falcons front seven—it's it's not that good. Uh, is he gonna run the ball a little bit more? Or are they gonna be a bit more uh, aggressive with David Johnson? Just a couple things to keep in mind because both defenses give up big plays in the middle of the field. So, okay, so let's go ahead and circle back with this. So, Falcons are favored by two and a half. Cardinals are home dogs. Over under fifty two. Honestly, I think it's kind of a toss-up. It's kind of weird to say because, you know, the public perception is the Falcons are a much better team. But honestly, are they? Uh, Their defense doesn't really show up. Uh, So, you know, off, off a tangent, but with the passing of Cardinals owner Bill Bidwell coming back home for that first home game after his passing, I'm kind of getting getting this sort of vibe where for sure it's going to be an over. Uh, it's going to be a high-scoring game because both offenses are intriguing. Both defenses are shit. But I think the Cardinals can come away with this win and build upon last week's road success where their play calling was a little bit more balanced. He saw a better running attack, um, better utilization of, of Kyler Murray. So I think that the Cardinals can come away with this win. Give me the Falcons 27. The Cardinals 30. 27 to 30. I know that Zengonzalez has been missing a couple kicks, but you know, at home, indoor stadium, and just given some of the things that I, I just described. Fuck it. Give me the Cardinals. Cardinals take the win at home. I won't say in honor, but in remembrance for the Cardinals owner. Bill Bidwell. Go Cardinals. Last but not least, certainly not least, because it is the divisional matchup of the week. You have the 4-0 San Francisco 49ers at L.A. Those Rams at 3-2. And it's interesting context when you look at both these coaches, Kyle Shanahan with the Niners, and Sean McVay with the Rams because two up and coming coaches, two young offensive-minded coaches, and up to this point, I mean, the Rams have pretty much been the dominant team. It's been a non-factor against Kyle Shanahan and his Niners. They had that one game, last game of the season, when Jimmy Garoppolo went on his five and zero starts. But you know that game uh, was the last game of the season where the Rams sat their starters. It was a non-factor. This is the first time during this Hall, McVay-Shanahan era where uh, the game matters. The Niners are contending, the Rams are contending, and for context purposes, I mean, if the Rams fall to the Niners and go to 500 at 3-3, three and three, with the Seahawks already 4-1, and one, mind you, they just lost to the Seahawks by a missed field goal, that is going to be really, really tough within this division uh, to stay afloat make the playoffs I know it's really early no pressure no fuck it there is a lot of pressure for the Rams if you check out LA this is a very hyped and you know uh, exciting game at the Coliseum so for this for this Niners team you know they're coming off a solid triumphant victory against the Browns on Monday Night Football but you know for them it doesn't get any easier for their, their roster to adjust So, just to recap, left tackle Joe Saley, he's out. Starting cornerback Akella Witherspoon, he's out. And now there's news that fullback Kyle Juszczyk, he is out. And right tackle Mike McGlinchey, he is out. That's a lot of outs, a lot of starting caliber positions where um, through four games, the Niners are leading the league in 200 rushing yards per game which is fucking insane but you know Kyle Juszczyk was paramount in this run game and you have shoot you have the starting tackles out so you're gonna have Justin School as the left tackle you can have Daniel Brunskill as the right tackle I don't know man that's (sighs) Uh, That is a tall task at hand uh, for this Niners team that are going against a Rams team that needs this win. They really need this win. And so what Kyle Shanahan does to scheme this up is going to be very intriguing, so that's exciting to see because I know that he really wants this game. Uh, He has never really won a legitimate game against the Rams. And so if the Rams can fall down and the Niners can stay undefeated at 5-0, I mean, you might as well give Kyle Shanahan coach of the year honors because I mean seriously it's just it's just crazy if you think about it right now and so you know offensively for this run game can they continue to run the ball can, can they continue to protect Jamie G Jamie G has only been sacked four times this season well, I mean he's taken a couple hits but he's only been sacked four times uh, will that continue to happen? Because if the run game can't uh, continue to be the run game that we know with all these injuries, then, yeah, they're going to have to pass the football more. They're going to have to rely on the receivers. Deebo Samuel, Dante Perez, Marquise Goodwin. I mean, they've been OK, but, you know, they, they've been OK, right? They haven't really called on their numbers too much. And it's been, you know, uh, let's just see. Uh, is Kyle Shanahan gonna gonna try to pass the ball a little bit more? Um, will their play action be as respectable? Uh, are you gonna see uh, because of this run game? Because of all of these injuries, are you gonna see George Kittle uh, as a fullback as an H back? How's the blocking assignments gonna be in their first week without McGlinchey? Uh, a lot of what ifs on this offense. I know that if things you know if things were perfect, they would continue to run the football play strong defense and get Jimmy G you know in play action in similar fashion to the Rams do uh, but we'll see I just as of right now there's a couple of uncertainties on the trenches for the Niners where uh, yeah if I'm the Rams and I have my defensive line with Aaron Donald Michael Brockers yeah that is their opportunity so let's go on the other end and talk about the Rams defense I mean Aaron Donald He's been rather quiet uh, so far this season, but you know he's facing his well, he's facing his share of double and triple teams uh, through. Yeah, he only has one sack this year, but keep in mind that against the Niners, the last four games they played, the Niners, uh, Aaron Donald has accumulated seven sacks. Yikes! Uh, last time around at San Francisco when they played, I was at that game last year. Uh, C.J. Bethard, so it's a different quarterback. But Aaron Donald had four sacks that game, four fucking sacks that game. And so, you know, Aaron Donald thrives against the Niners. And with these injuries, yeah, I think that Aaron Donald is due for a breakout game as well. And they're going to need some more playmakers. Kind of, uh, uh, yeah, actually kind of a freaky injury in my opinion. I didn't even know until after I saw the post-game report. But Clay Matthews, you know, through four games or so, he was... He was doing very well. He had six sacks you know, at that point of the season. But against the Seahawks, guess what happened? He broke his jaw. Yeah, Clay Matthews broke his jaw against the Seahawks. And so he's out a month. And so between you know Aaron Donald, Brockers, um, you know linebacker Corey Littleton, I mean, they're going to need um, some more plays. They're going to need some more pass rush. And so mm-hmm. it's certainly possible against the Niners, especially with their offensive line. Oh, so, yeah, this is a really good opportunity for the Rams' front seven to get things back on track, even without Clay Matthews. Conversely, all right, let's go back to the Rams offense. So, I was talking about the Niners being so run-heavy, averaging 200 rushing yards a game, and you know doing their whole play-action. But ironically, when you look at last season when Sean McVay took his Rams to the Super Bowl, well, they kind of did the same thing. Um, they used to run the football really well. Todd Gurley... That run game used to be A1. He used to set up Jared Goff for play action uh, between Brandon Cooks, Robert Woods. But yeah, you're really not seeing this Rams offensive identity. There were some good things that I saw last week against the Seahawks where they committed more to the run game. You saw more of Todd Gurley. Uh, you saw in that second half against the Seahawks, they made that comeback and you know put things back on track. But what will, will they do this time around? I mean, this Niners defense. Say what you want about them, but they're they're pass rush. That front four is fucking nasty as shit. You know, uh, the Rams. They should run the ball. They should get get it back on track to keep Jared Goff away from Bosa, away from Buckner, and all that. But I don't know, man. Uh, this offensive line for the Rams outside of Andrew Whitworth continues to struggle, uh, and to make things even more troublesome in regards to their offensive identity. Todd Gurley last year, he he was A1. Going into this week, there's been, um, I mean, the last two weeks, he's been dealing with like a left thigh injury from what I understand. And I don't know how healthy he is, honestly. Uh, You know, that's why uh, on fantasy, you're seeing a lot of people pick up Malcolm Brown and and Devery Henderson because, yeah, uh, we don't know the health status and how effective Gurley is going to be against this uh, Niners team. So if that gets compromised and the Rams run game once again goes awry, well, you know, I'm sure you saw this earlier uh, in the season and you saw this in the Super Bowl. But if Rams quarterback Jared Goff gets rattled, um, takes a couple hits or whatever, is forced to make a play in the pocket versus play action... Yeah, he is a totally different quarterback. And what I've seen from this Niners front seven is they can certainly bring the heat without blitzing. So, you know, if if I'm the Rams, their run game needs to go in the same capacity as the Niners do for their offense. I mean, McVeigh and Jenna very similar mindsets. They like to run the football. They like to do play action. Pretty simple stuff, honestly. But uh, who, who's going to be able to dictate their offense? regards to the passing game for the Rams you know when they do pass the football yeah that is something where they have a much better group than the Niners this time around this year you have a healthy Cooper Cup who has been in my opinion if you look at the stats he's been a top five receiver he's been Jared Goff's bread and butter guy to go to on third down um, his pocket guy to make big plays I mean he, he leads the Rams receivers group um, but you saw some solid games out, out of Robert Woods, um, not not last week, but the week before. Brandon Cooksey, he, he got hit and dinged up last week. He he left the game with a concussion, but he should be back. I mean, those three wide receivers, plus Joshua Reynolds, for, for that matter, at the fourth receiver position. But it's a pretty tough group. And this Niners secondary, you know, thankfully they've had a really good pass rush to support the secondary because right now. Uh, the Rams are going against the, and it's, it's kind of weird uh, to really see these numbers, but uh, the Niners have the second-ranked pass defense through, uh, through five weeks. They've been a really good group. They have seven interceptions. They played very well, but at the same time, too, I mean, shoot. Uh, Noah Keller with the screen. It's going to be another week with Emmanuel Mosley, an undrafted, guy that they're putting in at the starting lineup and so I don't know if uh if the run game goes well and if the the Rams are able to get the jerk off that they know Cooper Cup might fuck them up big time Cooper Cup is I mean he's been awesome throughout five weeks in the season and I don't really expect that to change against the Snyder secondary uh big lookout for the Rams wide receivers because if I'm Sean McVay and I'm the Rams I know that that pass rush by the Niners is coming so it would probably be my best interest to either one run the football or two get it out quick to your receivers and make some plays I can imagine them doing some screens some really quick stuff uh, to get the ball out of golf's hands and put it into his playmakers and that between that group you know they have a pretty well balanced group to make that happen So keep on the lookout for those wide receivers from the Rams. So, all right, let's go ahead and circle back to prediction time. We're making the calls. So looking at both sides, you know, very similar offensive philosophies by theory, if things go right. But then at the same time, can the Rams run the football with a injured Todd Gurley? Can the Niners get, you know, Mad Breeder, the cheetah, to to run uh, what he's been averaging like 6.5 yards a carry. Will that continue to be the the case against this compromised offensive line? Uh, The Rams really need this, but at the same time, too, um, if the Niners can do this and pull it out at LA, I mean, that's just a solid, solid statement to the rest of the league and a solid statement to the NFC West division. So it's tough because for those that do know me, No bias, kind of a bias, but I do like the Niners. (sighs) I I think that, you know, when you look at the importance of this game for the Rams at home and considering that Aaron Donald is due for a breakout game, and right now the Niners are well, you know, they're coming off a shorter week having played Monday night football and the Rams are more well rested and better prepared coming off a Thursday night football game. I think the Rams do it. Um, yeah, so go ahead and give me the Niners 24, the Rams 28. With Sean McVay with that extra time to better prepare and watch this Niners scheme, I think that they will be able to match up uh, against the Niners very well. It's going to be a closer matchup in years past in comparison to what we've seen out of this, this Niners team. But, you know, it's okay. Uh, the Niners will fall to 4-1. and one. The Rams will get back to five hundred and three, and 3 And we'll continue to cover the NFC West and see what goes down. Really exciting game. I'm looking forward to this. It's going to be at L.A. Uh, a couple of my homies, you know, friend of the podcast, co-host, T Up, will be there as well. So, you know, after this, I'll, I'll go ahead and get on a pod for next week and talk about the game. Because this is something that's going to be very very important for Rams nation LA uh they're coming off a pretty tough loss in baseball too okay so having said that let's go ahead and say all right so um my predictions were Seahawks 27 Browns 20 Falcons 27 Cardinals 30 Niners 24 Rams 28 guys thank you so much for checking out the pod Obviously, uh, I'm on Spotify, I'm on iTunes, Instagram, at Just the West, Twitter, at Just the West, and of course, the blog, www.justthewest.com. Until next time, we out here. Peace.